Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Welcome. I'm so excited today. I have on with me Kim Coffin. Kim, how are you? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is uh, um, a little bit unique, and I'm really glad that we're addressing some of the issues that you have bullet pointed in the show notes. So thank you for being willing to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump in and tell me about your births and postpartum. You have three kiddos, but I don't know if you went through anything to get pregnant, if it was difficult, if it was a surprise. So jump in on your story wherever you feel led to do so. Sounds good. I'm going to back up all the way back um, into teenage years because that's where it makes the most sense for me and in my brain, logically. Good. But yeah, what I can, looking back, you can't do it, of course, at the time, but looking back, I can see what led into traumatic births and postpartum depression and exhaustion and burnout and total disconnection from me, from who I am, from my body was a sexual assault. When I was 14, I woke up in the middle of the night to being sexually assaulted by my stepfather. And that was hard. That was awful. It was absolutely horrific. He'd been my stepfather for 10 years and I was very, very confused and I'm very trauma informed now. So I can see literally all the trauma responses that I went through, through that next six hour period. And finally, probably around four or five in the morning, I was like, I know what to do. I figured it out. I'm going to tell my mom, right? We're taught, tell your parents, tell your parents, tell your parents. And I did. I waited till he left for work and I told my mother and I was like, oh, like this feels like great. It's not mine anymore. It's hers. And with an you know, right away, I guess she did believe me. She um, didn't handle some things. Perfect. As I looking back, cause she sent me to school, which was confusing me. Mm. I was kind of like in a zombie state at school that morning. I remember that very, very clearly. And my apologies. I hit my watch and a phone call came through. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was at school and she called me and she wanted to talk to me and I went outside and right away she wanted me to confront my stepfather. She wanted me to talk to him and to confront him and she stayed silent. And by the end of that conversation, it was never talked of again. It was decided by my stepfather that it didn't happen. And my mother just went silent. So to me, that I, I accepted that. I took that as an utter betrayal. Like, this is not just, you know, my stepfather, this is my mother. And that led into utter disconnection. I remember at that moment, at that time, thinking I'm on my own here. This is not safe. I'm not safe. Again, another trauma response, right? Putting up the walls, putting up the, literally the castle walls, the moat, everything around it to protect myself. And I thought moderately, okay, I was doing okay from there on out. But what this led into going into my 20s, going into my 30s, was a super tight pelvic floor, tons and tons of back pain. And I know what this is because of my specialties now, like looking back at the pelvic floor, we hold all of our emotional wounding, 
traumas, whatever that may be, in our more sensual, in our more sexual, in our more intimate kind of like soft spots, right? So in our vaginal floor, in our vulva, in um, our stomach, in our breasts, in our throat. And I was holding this trauma, looking at it now through all of these areas. I had a breech baby that turned breech at like 36 and a half weeks, which isn't supposed to be possible. And they kept telling me it's because my pelvic floor and my abs were too tight, which I know that's not quite true now, but yes, they were, they were tight, but it wasn't, that wasn't why there was another reason behind it. I had a baby and my second baby, um, have a tear, but up at my like cervix, so up, up high, which is a 1% chance. Just another example of how tight my body was holding on to this trauma. And I was still seeing my mother, like I was still seeing my stepfather. I was meant and forced to go on like everything's hunky-dory. Did he ever touch you again after that? No, he did not. But there was other threats. There was other power threats. There was yeah. shut up or else. Yep, yep. A hundred percent. There almost always yeah. are. How interesting. Okay. So you're holding on to this. What happened with the breech baby the first time? Did you give birth vaginally? Uh, I tried to. My OB at the time wanted, was a willing to. He was an older okay. OB. But then he went golfing at five. So that <laughs> led to a C-section. Because <laughs> the and next the- OB wasn't for it. <gasps> oh, Gotta love that, so eh? angry. Yes, okay. I know. So you yeah. ended up with a C-section with the breech baby the first time around. Yeah. And then you did, really v- frustrating. you did a V-back. You did a V-back. I okay. Did. Good for you, mama. Okay. Okay. Thank you. At home Sorry. too. At oh. home. Yeah. I had to stay away from the medical community and I knew that, right. Just because yeah. of the stresses and so forth. And then I had another VBAC, like I had a third as well. Okay. Um, they're total six years apart between all three. So all of this came out in my body. It came out in almost immediately after giving birth to my first hip pain, pelvis pain, excruciating, like every single day, all day long pain. I would use ice packs. I would use some pain meds, like nothing was willing to touch it. And I worked out. I was extremely fit at the time and I was stretching and I was doing everything I could to be doing to take care of my body, naturopath, acupuncture, you name it. But there was this deep, deep pain in my pelvis, which yeah, it was this deep, deep pain emotionally in my pelvis. Absolutely. Right. The really cool part to see also how the body shows up is it moved into mastitis three times in six weeks, only in my left breast, which is the breast that I woke up to him being on literally. And that, and that breast was the one who kept getting mastitis through each pregnancy, each baby, which was so like, our bodies are absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They want us to listen. They will keep telling us what is going on and keep, it's like this little poking, right? Like, Hey, I'm over here. Listen to me. So this led to ultimately adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, absolute, absolute burnout and exhaustion. I was in a constant like PTSD, CPD, CPD. Oh my gosh. Can't talk. CPTSD. Um, still didn't come out right. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Complex PTSD, right? So I was in constant, 
even raising my children, even with them being young. And it was super, super frustrating and caught me in the spiral of doubt and shame and frustration and didn't really want to see what it was at the time. I really wasn't thinking it was from this outright disconnection from my body, outright betrayal from my mother, outright shaming of my own body. Like I didn't want to see that. It took till 2017 when I started to reclaim some of the places that I've been the most disempowered. I started to take my power back Mm -hmm. in certain areas, but then it was really 2017 where it was like, this is it. And that's when I fell into a whole pile of world-renowned leaders that really changed my life. It really started to allow me to take my power back and heal. So when this happened, when you were 14, this changes everything. I mean, it changes everything. Let's not minimize that. But your sexual experiences moving forward. So from that time at 14 until that first baby, I don't know how much time has passed in between that. And what was sexuality just in general like for you and your relationship with your husband? So plus, once you had that baby and you were being triggered, the first baby and the C-section, you're having pelvic pain you had a C-section. You didn't even have the, mm-hmm. the baby didn't come through the vaginal canal, which is, it's so interesting how much we allow ourselves to disconnect to what's really going on, which you've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was that relationship like after the baby too? Can you fill yeah. in some of those gaps? Cause your sexual experience started out so traumatically for me when I lost my virginity to date rape, I was like, I was ready to go take prisoners. Like if it's, if it's, Mm. if that first sexual experience has been taken from me, I've been robbed of it. What's the point in waiting? Like, I'm just going to go do like, you know what I mean? And I didn't Mm. care about myself and I started my own dysfunctional pattern. And so I'm curious with you from 14 to first baby, what was your sexual experience like? Yeah. Interestingly enough, so it was about 10 years between the two, between like first sexual experience and baby. Got it. First baby. And interestingly enough, I really protected my virginity per se and my sexual sovereignty. I enjoyed sex, but at the same time, I would have flashbacks. I would have thoughts. And I, you know, bump you right out of a whole pleasurable experience and I would push them down. I got very good at pushing them down because if I gave them a millimeter, I was like, you know, body shaking, freaking out, totally going back into that. So I got really good. And that was, you know, that's what your nervous system's meant to do Right, is keep you safe. You're meant to stay in safety, survival, and we will do whatever we need to do to get there. As I started to, even with my husband, then I still would have flashbacks, not all the time, but if a certain position or a certain way I was touched, if my left breast was touched, it really did trigger it. And it especially triggered it when I started nursing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so fascinating to me, not in a happy way, what things trigger us from that you know, don't seem like the biggest part of the situation when you're logically breaking it down. Yeah. That was really your trigger, that left breast. It, it would really put me in immediate flashback. Right. 
Yeah. And I knew because I was like to read everything I could, I knew I couldn't stop nursing on that side and I didn't, I still would push through, but my breast responded with like, I saw Dr. Newman. Do you remember who Dr. Newman is? One of the breastfeeding specialists across the world. Yeah. He was in university. He was in um, sick kids in Toronto. And I saw him a couple of times, like he couldn't figure out why I had mastitis. Wow. Yeah. So I knew I was doing it right. It was just the body keeps the score. Yes, it does. And we hold that trauma. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you have the second baby at home, midwives, I'm guessing VBAC. So freaking proud of you. Holy cow. I mean, you're, you haven't dealt with the trauma and the triggers, but you're doing so much in the meantime. Yeah. To at least, I mean, I don't want to use the word manage. You're not, you're not dealing with it head on, but maybe manage isn't a bad word. Surviving, um, not you thriving. Are. <laughs> well, you're making steps forward, just yeah. not by going back far enough within it your It took a birth. lot of work to make yeah. those steps. It took a lot of work. So much work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So second baby. So talk about that. Pick us up there again. Yeah. So- I knew I was like staying away from the hospital, like hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had midwives the first time as well, but once breach, you got shared care here in Canada. So I had shared care OB and midwife, but for the second, I kept midwives the whole way through. And it was like, we're doing this at home. And um, it was a fabulous birth. I was still mm-hmm. remembering being afraid that what if I can't, right? What if my body just can't, which is normal thoughts right. and processes that go through our brain when we're pushing out a nine pound at that point. Yeah. I think it was my biggest nine pound, two ounce baby. And, but other than that, it was a good, good birth. It was just this tear, which we didn't know for hours afterwards, what was going on. I was bleeding and, but you know, that's somewhat normal, normal, right? <laughs> normal. But if I sat up, I fainted. So they're like, okay, you just need to lay down, sleep. My midwives actually slept over that night because I delivered around 1130 at night. One of them slept over. And if I had to get up all of a sudden to go to the bathroom middle of the night, it was like, I fainted. And they're like, okay, something's wrong. So we scheduled to go to the hospital. And that's when they found that there was a tear up really high, up by my cervix, up at the back left quadrant of your vaginal canal. And there's like 1% chance of this happening. And typically it's from baby turning their head, but that's what they say, right? And the same time, I'm sure he did. And my pelvic floor was just way too tight. And it just was like, so yeah, had to have surgery. That was really, really rough. Yeah, had to have a surgery. And the surgeon made it fourth degree. It was easier for him to sew up that way, he said. What? That was hard. Explain that to people who are not understanding what that means. Cause I, yeah. So third degree goes uh, three quarters of the way between vaginal canal and anal canal. And he made it all the way through. I'm guessing one way or the other was easier to sew. I have no clue. I don't even know how they get in there and do that kind of surgery without cutting you. Holy cow. Yeah. So not only did you have that stitched way up high in the vaginal canal, you now had basically an episiotomy, a fourth degree episiotomy. Is that not, not an episiotomy? Cause that would be down at the, at the perineum. 
This oh, is internally. all the way up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so healing. I mean, you have a, a normal vaginal healthy delivery of a big baby. Mm-hmm. And then you end up having this bizarre surgery afterwards. What was your healing? Did it stop you from passing out right away after it was sewn up? Yeah, it was because I was losing blood. Got it. Okay. So that yeah. part was taken care of, thankfully. But now you have to heal from this m- massive, this big surgery. Yeah, I couldn't sit for a long time um, on that left hip because it went towards the left side. And it was really, really extra tight in there. But again, pelvic therapy, um, osteopath, naturopath, acupuncture. Like I did a lot of things to hold my body, to treat it, to heal. Yeah. Okay. But it was hard. It was very hard. I mean, I can't really imagine that. Um, And doing all of those things, that's great. That's your highest chance of success in healing well and feeling okay, which that's wonderful. It doesn't stop the fact that you still need to heal through all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So baby number three, you had three deliveries in six years, you said. Mm-hmm. How's your yeah. husband doing with all of this? Because with the C-section <laughs> and with this surgery, I mean, these aren't things that you are doing to yourself. You know, these are yeah. things that are happening to you. And I understand that it's a trauma response, but still like you have to deal with what's put in front of you also. Yeah. The second one freaked him out. Totally freaked okay. him out. Okay. Okay. He, he thinks it's because we had it at home, which I'm like, oh, no, that's no. not it. <laughs> Right. But he, he's very uh, medical care worshiping and thinks they can do no wrong. So, okay. um, yeah, he has a little bit different mentality there. So, but still, he's still quite a quiet guy. He just probably went into more overworking and doing what he needed to do that way. So, right. yeah, we agree to disagree on some of those things. I mean, that's, <laughs> isn't that the best way to do things as a couple anyway? Like, okay, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Okay. All right. So baby number three, and is your sexual relationship with him, you said it was good and there were lots of times. So there wasn't friction in that way? No. Great. No, there wasn't. And yet now being a sexuality coach, like, yeah. And knowing what I know and reclaiming the places I've reclaimed now, you know, I was being a good girl. I was being a good wife. I was being a good mom. Right. Yeah, so don't we all I do didn't, that? Exactly. I didn't think it was being compromised, but I know a little differently now. Right. At the time, though, with the information that you had, I mean, I would be, I would think until you're dealing with that trauma, you're dealing with what's in front of you, what's, yeah. what you're presented with. And that would still be hard. I mean, yeah. Looking Sex back, after childbirth is just can be tra- diff- difficult for people. You had yeah. traumatic deliveries. Yeah, and that part wasn't so hard. Looking back, okay. though, there was a lot of stuck in my head. Like I was having sex stuck in my head totally. Oh, yeah. The yeah. entire time. Or it was intoxicated sex, mm. which is another way of numbing out, right? Right. Right. Cause you relax, you're less inhibited. Okay. So baby, I think I'm done with all of my questions. For no, keep asking. <laughs> um, baby number three happens and you have another home birth. 
Yeah, actually, I didn't have her at home. This oh, is my sorry. first girl also. Okay. That's okay. Midwife, though. Okay. But by this point in the hospital, you can go into the hospital, shut the door, and no hospital staffs are allowed in with midwives. Oh, okay. And the midwife wanted me to, and she already had me the, the second one. And I was like, okay, whatever. Don't let them in. Um, and we went to the hospital and did that. And it was a good thing we did because she was a code pink. She didn't breathe at birth. <laughs> Good grief. You, you I know. Big, go big or go home with you. Okay. Two minutes later, the midwife's like, I think we should do a fourth. You seem to be getting this down really, really good. <laughs> we just need to do it one more time. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's awesome. My labor was amazing. Amazing. Okay. I was in the zone. I had music playing in my own ears. I wanted everybody to shut up and go away. And at time of pushing, I was like, fine, you can talk to me now. It was a beautiful birth. Beautiful oh, good. Birth. Yeah. But baby's born. Yeah. Yeah. They, they wonder if she came out just a little too fast and that's why she didn't breathe. Mm. Okay. So you were there and they were able to help her. So that was, that's assurance. I mean, like, yeah. you know, how was your body? after that one great like oh, that birth wow. was good i'm you know definitely a little tender sitting for the next few days well, right normally yes but that birth was great i still kept getting some mastitis though on the left side now you said 2017 you had to have at some point because your your past trauma is just being continuously triggered at this point without you even putting that all together. How did you put it together? Yeah, there was something that happened when my daughter was born being the last her being so that's 2006. Because the other two were boys, okay. there was something different with having a girl. It made me like wake up to this. What the hell was my mother doing thought? Oh, it, okay. It, it made me go like, what the hell? What, right. what, what, all of this. And uh, we were still very much in their lives, like very much every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every holiday, Easter, few weeks of, co of cottage in the summer, like they were very much in my kids' lives. And as my daughter got to a little bit closer, like two and three, and she wasn't attached to me all the time, I started pulling away big time. Yeah. We started, oh, boys are in rep sports. Oops, we're in rep hockey. Oops, we're in rep soccer. Oops, we can't come. So I really started pulling away. And by 2013, I was starting to pull away more. My mother asked me if she could take my daughter away for the weekend. And I was like, with who? She said, me and my husband. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I was getting really, really clear on boundaries. And she wasn't really understanding it. She wasn't getting it. She's really still in denial. And I get it. There's a lot of fear there for her too. That is why I'm trying to change this narrative because if we all stay in fear and stay silent, we keep creating this story, right? Good for you. I know that that's really common. I remember being really angry at the dysfunction from my parents and the it was like the moment I gave birth the first time and it was a girl and I don't know how different that would have been I thought how how could you allow things to happen to one of your kids because once you understand that type of love and that type mm. of connection you have when you give birth 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I totally yep. get it. I totally get it. Um, how you would have just been like, nope, not ever. You're not ever going to allow your daughter to be put in a position that you were put in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did you... Okay. So now we have a couple conversations I'm curious about. The first one is with your husband. And the second one is with your mom, because it was still another four years and your daughter was 11 when you were like, wait, you started really, really putting the brakes on with you because your husband might not have even known about this. This yeah, my husband did. He did. Okay, good. Most okay. of my close friends knew. Okay. I still was talking, you know, to therapists here once in a while over the years. I still was talking to different people in my medical care that knew and my husband knew. Yeah, okay. So he knew. So you weren't, it wasn't like you stuffed it down so much. You were in denial and it just wasn't spoken about. You were actually working on it, but it not there. In, right. But- But working on it, like, I mean, I've had good talk therapy and not good talk therapy, right? We're all different. It, what you were doing wasn't, it was probably uh, managing it or helping it, or at least you were acknowledging, but it wasn't actually helping you. It's putting a good bandaid on it. Got it. (laughs) Okay. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What snapped when, and what were the, so what was the conversation like ever with your stepdad, ever with your mom? So starting in 2013, when I started putting down boundaries, I also was overcompensating as well. And very much in the fight mode. Okay. I didn't know I was in it, but I was like, fuck you. And I'm not doing this and no, and starting, but that caused a lot of havoc with my mother because she's super controlling what really changed it. And when I put that hard, no down, we're done was 2017 was when the me too movement happened. Oh, and I, okay. I read everybody's posts and I was like, wow, good for you, but there's no freaking way. You don't know my mother. <laughs> right. And right. even six months, four months earlier, four months earlier, a friend had said, cause I was really struggling really in cycles of doubt and depression and frustration and burnout. She's like, out of the blue, she goes, you need to confront your mother. And I was like, are you crazy? Why did that come out of there? For what purpose? And so she called me on that. And I was like, I don't think so. But then when that me too happened, and I read everybody's posts for about three days, I was like, yeah, I can't do that. But I want to read these stories. I like really empowered me. Three days later, I was like, screw it. And I was driving to Ottawa. I live in uh, 45 minutes west of Toronto. I was driving to Ottawa and I did a quick post while I pulled over for gas. And then I closed my phone and kept driving. And that launched into family reaching out. One of my uncles, who's also a very good friend of my stepfather, oh. reaching out. He's, a, he's an ex, um, like retired superintendent of police down in Toronto. And he reached out and he helped me. I reached out to another therapist. Um, I was in a community already. I had already said yes to this amazing community, uh, School of Womanly Arts, that I was already working towards going into an event in December. So I was really held. I was really held in sisterhood and with a therapist and with some family. I called the rest of my family and told them. And then I went and confronted my mother. My mother happened to be on a cruise ship at that time. 
And when she got back, it was beautiful window actually, because when she got, I had this time to digest for about 10 days. And then when she got back, um, I set up a meeting and confronted her and she's still in denial. It never happened. Yeah. You had been dealing with, and I'm sure these friends that incur this, this friend that was like, you need to confront your mother, which look, you did. It doesn't mean it changes much. If she changed a lot though, because it it felt free. Yeah. As fuck. Like, oh my gosh. The first thing out of my mouth was like, why haven't I done this sooner? Mm -hmm. So, so freeing it. That in itself was very freeing. Good. Good. Because it didn't change her perception. No, and that's okay. And you're suffering with chronic body pain. Mm-hmm. Um, postpartum depression, adrenal fatigue, thyroid burnout. Y- you've been suffering with this for uh, 17 years now from the first baby? Baby, yeah. It was 27 oh years to the gosh. assault. Mm-hmm. Okay, trying to do math. So, oh, I know, it was, yeah, it was 27 I mean, like, years to the day. Yeah. Well, not is- to the day, but you know this is a long, this is a long time. Okay. She's in denial, but you still feel great. And you're getting support where you need support. And you were already kind of feeling your way into where the, the trajectory was going to change in your life. You just, it wasn't all clicking for you. I feel like is kind of how it was happening. Cause you said you were scheduled for that event in December, like a few months later. Yeah, I signed up in September, but didn't confront my mom till November 3rd. And then I was on, but I was already on a community group. We were already supported. A lot of people were talking about assault because again, we're only two months post me too. Yep. And we were already being given tools to hold ourselves. We were already being given tools to hold each other. Now, of course, it took another whole year of a program that I went through to really release that pain from a mother that betrayal that grief that rage that everything because it was all in my body keeping it all tight and yeah I'm really excited now because everything's in the show notes but you have a website I have it up and um, people can find you that way but this whole experience it's it's getyoursexyback.ca and um, this the Me Too movement and everything kind of coming to a head for you, whatever drops in the bucket forced it to happen after mm-hmm. so many years of pain and holding on uh, and feeling burnt out. I want you to talk to me about that experience. Um, when you started your course, take us a bridge the gap between that 2017 to 2022. And I'm curious how your relationship with your kids changed and mm-hmm. how your relationship with your husband. I mean, there's a, there's a relationship with yourself, which I think is the first part of this, you starting that first course that December and having that community. So that was, that's the first relationship with yourself, but you have three kids and a husband and yeah. you had set boundaries with your mom. And then what, what did that look like? Yeah. At the time I told her on November 3rd to call me when she finished digesting it all, we could talk. Okay. Uh, that moved into, she's never called me since. Um, we sent okay. Christmas presents December. She sent nothing. Um, that moved into me by, by end of January, my daughter's birthday. 
um, me messaging my mother and going, what the hell you cut me off, but you don't talk to your three grandkids anymore. So that moved into that. We've never heard from her since it took me another six months to process that wound wow. and to go and see now that, oh my gosh, we are so much better off than I even knew at the time. We do not, we do not need her in our life. There's a lot of toxicity there way more than even this very narcissistic, a lot of lot very controlling. There's a lot of things in there that I didn't even see at the time as toxic and they were yeah. so all good now, but it took me time to heal. So relationship with kids. Oh my gosh. So much better. I became more grounded, more present, more in my body, not in a trauma response all the time, not angry, mm. open, really, truly open with them. I told them within the week of that me too movement. And the first things out of their mouths were, why didn't you tell us earlier? <laughs> yeah. They were super, super supportive. So 11 year old, she was the youngest, um, next would have been like 14 ish, give or take, but, um, two and a half years apart. And then 16 ish, um, right. they were super, super supportive. They were, they were like, that's why we weren't allowed to go to the cottage alone that's why we weren't allowed to go do this. And they were like, why didn't you tell us? And I was like, I, I don't know. Couldn't, right? right? I just couldn't at the time. Um, so that became so much better. My husband, he was a little afraid of what kind of shit storm I was going to create yeah. doing this with my mother. He was more fearful of probably me, right? Making sure that I was okay. But it is the best damn decision that I have ever made. The best. Right. So next the was going thing, into 2017. Go ahead, please. Yeah. The first thing is your physical pain. You must mm. have like, so your relationships are getting better. Right? And I understand your husband's fear and, and protection and concern mm -hmm. for you. You know, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Um, physically, you must have just like, I can't even imagine just physically how you, how much better you felt lighter was all I could describe. I felt like I'd taken a 50 pound backpack off my back. Right. that I've been carrying for 27 years. No contact ever with your stepfather. You never confronted him after that first nope. time. And that's Haven't. great. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keep going with your relationship with your husband and your training. Because yeah. I'm guessing your training directly impacted the relationship with your husband. Yeah. So what happened was that first weekend that I was in New York for an experience weekend, we started doing releasing work. We started doing something, a tool called swamping, which is using um, and releasing our emotional rage and grief and all of this through our body and started with hip circles because you also mix it in with sensuality because that is a woman's superpower. Our pelvic bowl has this inner brilliant wisdom and connection is so, so powerful. So when you start even just start doing these, these practices and tools and, and using your energy and releasing your rage and your grief and being held by other women, which is another key. Cause as a big wound for me, obviously with my mother, I noticed like my hips started, stopped hurting. I was like, what is going on? Like this pain just started to disappear. And I was like, this is crazy. That was my first noticing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I moved into another six month program, a deep one where we were working together 
between the weekends. And then we were going and doing three more weekends in New York, just deeper, deeper dives. I, that was with Mama Gina and School Only Arts. And then I started working with Layla Martin with mm-hmm. the Jade Egg and doing more and more work there and learning how to release more de-armoring wise, more physically wise. And I continued to go deeper. Then I started studying with Layla Martin and then I started training and became a sex, love and relationship coach, female sexuality coach, tantric sex coach. And I play with all of this work. It's been the best thing in my entire life. It has changed my life. And now I get to help others change theirs. It is so amazing. So powerful. I love hundred percent of entrepreneurs. I mean, we are at our worst. We are our avatar, mm-hmm. right? They're like, create mm-hmm. your avatar. It's me at my worst is my <laughs> avatar. And I love that when you focus on healing yourself, and you find the things that worked, you want to turn around and make it faster, easier, and more supported for other women with similar struggles. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what we do as entrepreneurs. I mean, com- yeah. completely and totally. So now you have this whole business. So now let's yeah. do a shameless plug for this business because there are women out there who have gone through trauma. Absolutely. I know I'm not alone. Unfortunately, This is almost every single human story, woman or man, non-binary, it does not matter. We are all sitting with these secrets and these weights and this shame in Mm -hmm. our body. And it's, it's keeping us stuck. It's keeping us small. So yeah, I teach singles and couples how to reconnect to their body, how to reconnect to their pleasure, how to activate their turn on and how to heal, like release that heartbreak and shame and reclaim the places that they have been most disempowered, which can go into a voice and boundaries and truth and body and sexy, all of it. So all of these places, I show them how to reclaim all of this so that they can step into their unapologetic power. And this is, can be in their parenting, in their relationships, mm-hmm. in their businesses, in their lives. It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. How we show up in the bedroom is how we're showing up in our life. Yeah. It is all connected. Yeah. Wow. It's it's so brilliant. I love it. Kim, thank you so much for sharing. I love the way our conversation went and we connected things. It was great. It was so great. I had so many questions for you today. And I really, really, really appreciate you sharing so unabashedly so other women can come forward less afraid because of your strength. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so, so much.